Welcome, welcome, welcome back, everybody, to the 90s Mixtapes. I am your host, Pat, joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Jen. As always. Can't get rid of me. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, I don't know of any other lovely co-hosts that are going to come in um, and assist. So, uh, and I don't really think I'm at a level that I can do this alone. Like, I feel like that is a lot of work to just kind of talk into the ether. I mean, I hear people do it. You ever hear a podcast where somebody just kind of talks? Yeah, I've heard a couple. How does that make you feel if somebody's just kind of talking? No, I think I've just heard one. No, I've heard two. There's two that I am really impressed by it. Like, I feel like to be able to just talk for uh, one is always at least an hour. The other one I listened to was there was one that was like three hours. I'm like, how I wish I had that kind of I don't even know the word. I don't well, even well, know the word. I feel like when you're in radio, because, you know, obviously a lot of it starts like in radio because it's one person talking a lot of the times, you know, so it's like one person and then maybe they'll be like, oh, you know, I'll take a caller and then you're having a conversation with somebody or you get a guest. Mm-hmm. And I've heard a lot of people do like monologues in radio, you know, 10 minute monologue. Most of the times like sports, um, obviously Howard Stern used to be, used to do that at some points, but it would be conversation with the other people. But the idea that you're doing like a monologue and you're just like, okay, I'm going to talk about this topic and just keep talking, talking, talking about this topic. And then you're not getting feedback, whether, you know, if you made a joke, whether it's funny or not, you know, if whatever it is, like you just don't know. And I mean, in, in this kind of format where you don't really know, um, cause you're not getting instant feedback. You don't know if I was just sitting here talking and I was gonna be like, Hey, I'm going to talk all about the haps of, uh, May, 1993. What are, what are people thinking? You know, you just kind of, kind of. Let it roll and assume it's good. I mean, a completely different thing. Because you're not talking like we're not. I don't feel like I'm talking on a mic to people. I feel like I'm talking to you. Right. Well, that's what that's how we've set this up. We are talking to each other. We're conversing, and then it's right. just you have a different, a completely different mindset. Like I mean, most of the podcasts I listen to, I feel like it's at least two people having it's at least two people having a conversation and then some more of an interview format um yeah but usually it's like two people well like, speaking of speaking of randomness <laughs> this is the random Let's jar of shit <laughs> you know at least two people talking speaking of the randomness this is the jar of shit that was on my grandma's house she busted it out she got she got her nice uh Lennox candy dish out. And a little twigs and barks. Little twigs and barks. And slices of dried ass apples. Uh, fra- no, we weren't doing that. Fragrant. You have apple, cinnamon, no. potpourri with the little dried no. pieces of fruit? It was the same one bag. It's all I remember. Yeah, it was the same goddamn bag. I remember seeing dried fruits. I don't know. Maybe there was apricots. I don't know. Who knows? But we're here again to discuss the random happenings. Of May. Well, not random, because I think that that's the wrong way to say it, but the potpourri, the mixed bag, the different color fragrances that happened, the news stories, sometimes the trends, sometimes just the memories of May 93. Are you ready, Jen? <laughs> the memories. What did you do on Mother's Day 1993? Remember this was before everyone, uh, all of us white folks uh, celebrated single day mile? Because I feel like that wasn't a thing until we were older. It definitely wasn't. I don't remember Cinco de Mayo being a thing until I, like, honestly, until I remember a place called Cinco de Mayo in my life, which probably wasn't until I was in, like, my early 20s. Like, I just don't, even though I was, like, 18, 19, like, I don't remember Cinco de Mayo 
being a thing? Was it a thing? It, did you like when did you remember it being a thing? Well, I mean, it was a thing in Mexico for a long time. Absolutely. But me for us, uh, no, I remember it being a thing when um, I was old enough to drink margaritas and celebrate it. Okay, when you were old enough or legally able to obtain them? Because that's two different things. So you're saying when you were 21 or you're saying when you were like 18 I don't college? remember. I really, I, I don't, I couldn't tell you that I remember. Okay, it's fair. But it was, I, I mean, I think out of high school. Because I know, at least in my college experience, we had terrible tequila. So I was not a fan <laughs> of tequila. Like, I know people would be like, we had shitty $10 tequila. I, of course. You know what's still... College you know, kid. You know what still gets me? And I'm just going to say this again, because we're, we're in a safe space. We're in, the, we're in the potpourri space. We're in our closet. Um, Like, I just... I really think, like, you know, the legal drinking age is 21. And if you're like a, a, you know, liquor store in a college town and you're just going through the cheapest liquor, like you just like, you know that you're selling, like, you know who the drunk is that's buying it, but then you know you're selling it to college. Like you just, it's just like this implied thing. Like, you know, you're doing it. Everybody knows you're doing it. Like, look, if you want to be like, Hey, I'm buying two 30 packs of beer, right? I'm 21. I'm buying a couple 30 packs or a keg or something. Like, you know, two 30 packs is one thing. Once you're getting the keg, like, you know that there's going to be a bunch of underage kids drinking it. It's this, like, implied, like, complicit, complacent nature, mm-hmm. you know, of that, like, economy, right? Because I think about us, like, I think about where I went to school, small little sleepy upstate town, party town, but, you know, most of them are because the college brings all the money. Question. Yes. Sorry. When you say small little upstate town, is that implied that it's upstate New York because are, are there upstates in other states? Or I'm going it... to say this. I wanted, you um, said it was New York, which is fine, which it's actually not upstate New York. It's central New York. But I use the term upstate because most people just think like away from their area, like upstate, because I was kind of right. saying like, you know. Right. Because I... we're in North Carolina. So if you think of North Carolina, you go, oh, you know, like, like if I said maybe upstate or the western part, you think of the mountains. Like I'm I've saying, never heard of anyone consider anything upstate North Carolina. I've never heard anyone refer to a town no, as upstate. But like Western North Carolina, you're thinking the mountains, right? Yeah. Okay. Fair. But I'm just thinking like, Hey, like far, farther away, like a sleepy town, farther away from your hometown. Mm-hmm. It's just that complacency. Like the, the, how everybody is just like created this little economy where you're like, we're going to take the 18 year old's money. <laughs> like we know we're getting the 18 year old's money for this $10 bottle of El Dorado tequila. I, have another question for you. Fair. And I know the legal answer, mm-hmm. but ethically, mm-hmm. do you think when you mention this guy selling this bottle to either the old drunk or the 18-year-old, what do you think is more, like, morally wrong, or ethically wrong? Because I'm like, to me, if I'm that liquor store owner, I don't really feel that bad selling a bottle to a bunch of 18-year-olds that are in college and partying because that's part of it. But I'd feel pretty bad knowing that this sad, drunk person is basically just, like, killing themselves with the bottle. Well, when you... I'm going to go... I'm going to answer your question, but I need to take a second to get there. So I feel like if you're a bartender, like, you know that people want to have a good time. Especially if you're, at like, bartending at, like, a college place or whatever. Like, (laughs) either people... You know, at a college place, like, hey, people want to have a good time. Your one main concern or should be your concern is that nobody's going to drive. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, again, someone drives drunk and then, you know, you end up in a, in a 
precarious situation they kill somebody it really is and should be kind of on your head but at the same time you're just slinging drinks you're, you're slinging three dollar margaritas like that's what you're doing yeah this rock got disgusting shit and you're also in this world as a former bartender you're in a world where it's just everybody's drinking and it's normalized and right. yes you yeah i mean you need to be thinking about that but now i use that person because i feel like that person's like the frontline soldier like you're there and you just like, you're like, I'm here and we all know the kind of the rules. So I'm just hoping that like me following the rules and giving you the drink, like I know when to like, just not give that person a drink, right? Like to that, to that level. But I'm assuming most bartenders have probably overserved people. And if you want to get into a bigger place, like a bigger place, you know, like we grew up, we've talked about it. You know, we grew up on Long Island. Like for the most part, you need to drive around. Like yeah. if you're in New York City, nobody's got to fucking drive a car. Right? Nobody has to drive a car. Right? When you think about it, somebody just walks in your bar, like, you have no idea how they're getting home or where they're getting home or what they're doing. I mean, it's a land of taxi cabs. It could be walking five blocks away. Like, who the fuck knows? So, they're probably, it's probably, you know, you're in a larger city, it's probably even more, you know, free-flowing. So, having said that, to go back to your answer about what's right or wrong, like, if I feel a bartender is like a soldier, I I really feel like the person selling the liquor is like a lieutenant. And, And so, like, you know that, like... You're like a little higher up the ranks. Like you could theoretically only sell it to people that are legally able to purchase it. You 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 know like I know like here in our state they card everybody, right? We get carded. Everybody gets carded. You go in there, they card the person buying the liquor. So like you're really no, it's because going you out and your I way. look so very young. True. No, it's but not. they they really go out of their way to be like carding whomever it is. Do they give a shit? You know, if you're coming in twice a week to buy the rock gut thing, no. Because they're doing you a service because we actually found this out um, with a pandemic. They actually considered it a a human health service, like a health service to keep the ABC stores open because there are people that are dependent on the alcohol. Mm -hmm. So I would say morally or ethically, like, no, I don't really think there's a problem with the person, the ABC store selling it to the longtime drunk. I think if you were knowingly selling it to the kids, that's where it becomes a problem. For me, even though I'm an adult... And I definitely consumed tons of alcohol when I was underage. Oh, yeah. I just think it's morally wrong. You th- Do you think it's morally wrong? I don't think it's... Uh, to do that. I think to, it's... To serve to that. To get I think it to it's that weird person. that they're... I mean, now, we're, now listen, we've really gone down a road. Potpourri. But I think it's strange that there's this one day where suddenly you morally can have a drink. Legally, of course, they have to make the cutoff somewhere. But morally, really, like, I, I don't know. Anyway, a- anywho. Well, I think everybody is... Matures at a different age and knows limits at a different age. And I think that's the thing. You know, I think the bigger thing in this country when you're talking about all of it, and again, potpourri, potpourri, <laughs> talk about whatever, sprinkle it. We're not even talking about the 90s anymore. We're <laughs> no. now like, we're well, just... we are because I mean, you know, you probably had your first drinks in the 90s, but well, for sure. But I just think it's just the idea that, like, you know, unfortunately. The devil's, the, the devil's water, like everybody, it just depends on how it hits you and depends on what you do, you know, because it's got to take everybody a certain amount of time to get to a level or they don't to be like, this is not, this is something I can handle, not handle, I want to do, I don't want to do and what kind of relationship they want to have with it. Because we tried once to get rid of alcohol and it didn't work. As from what I can understand with minimal research, um, but, you know, just thinking back in my, in my brain, it's been around a long time. <laughs> <laughs> right it's been around since people have been recording shit from what i understand so it ain't going nowhere people I mean, have been fermenting wine in bottles you know what i mean getting drunk and doing like people do that so 
It's been going on since ancient times. Like, you're not going to get that out of the human, you know, right. self-help psyche, right? <laughs> it's just not going to happen. It's inbred in our DNA. So you can't stop people from drinking. So that 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 is the other part that exists with it. So, so I've never been to France. Mm-hmm. But from Fair. what I understand, how their culture wor- works with, like, younger people having a drink with dinner with their family. Like, I think that's so much healthier of a way to incorporate alcohol into, like, like a way to introduce people to alcohol. Because there's no, t- it sounds like there's, it's not a taboo, you know? Here, it's like this thing you can't have. And then it's like, everybody's gonna, ugh. Anyway. Uh... 1993, May. Let's do it. Pat? Yes? What do you know about Haircut Gate? Well, let me start with a quick rundown, because I have one story I'm going to tell you that you don't know a lot about, and then I'm going to let you do the Haircut Gate story first, but real quick. May 10th, Bill Walton inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. Mm. I found that was a pretty big deal, Bill Walton. Bill Walton uh, made his druthers on the... The uh, the Portland Trailblazers. He's like really tall. He's like six foot ten or eleven, and like he's like the Grateful Dead guy. I don't know if you've ever seen me when I'm watching basketball games, and like they they have a. So you know how like, so for those Knicks fans that are out there, shout out. Let's go. I mean, it sucks that we lost in the second round this year, but whatevs. Um, shout out New York Knicks. But we have Walt Clyde Frazier. Okay. You know how he did swishing and dishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. and he's always wearing his like stylish clothes. Like I like the, we have him, but I feel like the universe because he used to be on like ESPN a lot had Bill Walton. Okay. Who's like, and they're doing a documentary about him and everything, or they just came out with one about him. But he's like led like a really like cool, interesting life. He's like kind of like a hippie and not kind of me. He's like a hippie and follows Grateful Dead around and oh, does he all that. actually yes, like Grateful he actually Dead. did oh. that. And his thing is like his career That's was awesome. cut really short because he was so tall and he had bad feet. Like, his feet got fucked up. Like, it, they, they got injured. But he was, like, one of the greatest passing big men of all time. So, he got inducted into the Hall of Fame. But, again, back then, w- when it came to getting injured and stuff like that, like, when you would get injured, the, the sports si- science wasn't really there. So, you know, it's one of those things. Like, he just lost his career. Um, Ar- Arsino Hall, thousandth episode. 1,000 show retrospective was seen in the Netherlands oh. this month. Oh, okay. Um, Jose Canseco was fielding a baseball and in the outfield and it hit the top of his head and went over for a home run. So a baseball bounced off his head and mm-hmm. caused a home run. Did the team, did the opposing team win by one? I do not recall. I just remember that. Because that would be great if the top of his head actually caused his team to lose. Do you remember like Jose Canseco though and how important he's going to be like in the 90s and 2000s? Yeah, like I know his name. Do you remember Mark McGuire? Yeah. And you remember? Okay, so Jose Canseco was like, if possible, I believe, like bigger than Mark McGuire. So they just look like fucking professional wrestlers that are playing baseball because they're so juiced out. So <laughs> Jose Canseco is the guy that writes the book, talks about all the people and gives all the names of everybody doing steroids. <laughs> so he's like the guy that breaks the whole ster- steroid scandal. Like yeah. He was on the Oakland A's. Um, with uh, him and Mark McGuire were together called the Bash Brothers because so they just hit all these home runs because there's just fucking diesel jack dudes that were doing fucking steroids in the 90s. So it's like this whole thing. So like he like bust the whole, time. yeah. So he like bust the whole thing kind of open. Do you think that his head was super Jen? bouncy the... because it was covered in muscle from all the steroids? Jen, I don't know anything about 
the uh, viscosity of his head. Do you think he got a concussion from that? No, probably not. He had a helmet on, right? No, he didn't have a helmet on. Him oh. and his fucking baseball bat. Oh, yeah, that's right. You don't wear helmets in the... But, I mean, like, look at this dude. That probably really hurt. That's a big fucking dude. Jesus. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, a big dude. Like, I'm trying to find, like, like that's a big fucking dude. What, what is what is happening in that picture that you're showing me? He's just... I, I don't know if that's recent or not. Like, he's yeah. just a big fucking dude. Like, look, he had... I mean, he's a big dude. Mm. He's a big fucking dude. Oh, my God. Yeah, he does look like a professional wrestler. Yeah, th- yes, that's like the best in thing In costume to say about as a baseball player. Who is that professional like, wrestler arms. that's look supposed to be arms. a baseball player for like a second? That's a big fucking like, arm. He, he's a jack guy. Like steroids, man. He did, Maybe he, he did just lifts a lot, bro. You know, I don't know. He lifted a lot <laughs> while also doing all the steroids because then he came out and he was like the guy doing all the steroids. So, I mean, Jose Canseco. Like that's what he looked like before he started doing all the steroids. Well, maybe he didn't lift yet. I like how I'm I'm like playing devil's advocate when he wrote a book about his steroid use. <laughs> well, I just want to disagree with you about everything. I know <laughs> you can't even like you can't even try not to to just be like oh I don't really know a lot about this arena and you're just like nah. no I don't I really don't I'm, I know I'm totally so you're kidding like, around yeah I know <laughs> but you're like I gotta disagree with you so oh it's like I'm contractually obligated. <sighs> That's the thing. So that had happened. Um, and I, like for me, those are kind of like the little lighthearted stories. Now, do you want to do the heavy story first or do you want to do the not so heavy story first? Because I'm guessing haircut gate, probably not as heavy. Let's do haircut gate first. It's not very heavy, but I okay. feel like we got to give the heavy story. It's okay. Space. Uh... It's a runway. Yeah. Okay. Haircut gate, which I just learned about today. Okay. What do you know about haircut gate? I'm going to take a shot in the dark like we do with our TV movie podcast. Haircut gate involves, well, we're going to start with someone got a haircut that they Mm -hmm. didn't necessarily want. That's what you would think. Yeah. I'm going to say the person who got that haircut was Queen Elizabeth got a haircut that she didn't want. Huh. It's not Queen Elizabeth, but... Princess Diana? No, no. Uh, uh, Hillary Clinton? Oh. It is? You're so close. You're like, you're like on fire. Monica Lewinsky? (laughs) You're You're a little bit cooler, but still on fire. Uh. Jennifer Flowers? Maybe it's not a woman. Bill Clinton? Yeah. What happened to his haircut? Okay, so there's nothing wrong with his haircut, except... Okay, so there is this story. I'm going to read this from... I'm reading off of Snopes.com. Snopes, okay. Snopes, okay. Absolutely a great website. (laughs) (laughs) Totally, told everything there on the up. Well... Well, aren't they on the... I don't really know a lot about... <laughs> I, I'm, I don't know. Either. Well, here's the thing about this, is that apparently the story and the way it was reported wasn't all true. So, the air traffic diverting $200 haircut was one of the major news stories of its day, garnering front page headlines in such major newspapers as the New York Times, LA Times, and the Boston Globe. The Washington Post, who quipped that Clinton had received... The most famous haircut since Samson. Do you understand that reference? Samson and Delilah. Oh, is that a Bible? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Included the incident in nine front page stories over the span of six weeks. 
nearly two decades later, major news publications such as Time Magazine were still referencing Hairgate, also known as Haircut Gate, and stating that the notorious runway haircut had resulted in a hold on air traffic and forced flights to circle and made Los Angeles air travelers hours late. So the story is, is that all these flights were put on hold, just circling, waiting to land. It cost all this extra money for him to sit because he was in a plane getting a haircut. Supposedly a $200 haircut. So it cost all this money. All these people were delayed. It was like tons of flights. And it was this huge thing because people didn't love Bill Clinton, right? So then this is like this huge thing. Jen. Now he... Um, I'm sorry. They called it Hair Force One. Okay. Jen, I wish... But this was a big deal. Now this... Apparently, though... I'm sorry. What were you going to say? No, keep going. One air taxi was like slightly late. None of it was true. It was all like, yes, he got a haircut on Air Force One and LAX. But like all of the scuttlebutt about it was just like fake news. Anywho. I was going to say, this sounds to me like a simpler time that I wish we can go back to in terms of certain news stories. Uh, Because... Jesus, that's just not that big of a deal. Air Force One. No, Force but it was one. like, you know, can't you picture my dad just up in arms about a $200 haircut on Air Force One? Which honestly... Your dad was too busy shooting I, shit with the guys and eating breakfast and drinking black coffee. But to I'm just give saying people like, like, I just think... And also, like, I know it's 1993, so $200 for a man to get his hair trimmed is, is a lot of money. But he is the president. Like, is that really that much money? Like, I, it costs me like $200 every time I get my hair done. You know what I mean? And I get it's 30 years later and I'm a woman, but I'm not a rich woman, right? So I, I don't know. I like, mean, I spend $27 at, uh, you know, when I get my hair cut. So, I mean, I, you know, I guess. Twice a year when you twice get your a year, hair cut. Exactly. But, yeah. But you're I not mean, the president of the United States, you know? I, I don't know. I'm just. I, I mean, that's the story. That's the story, but but I just thought it was entertaining. Um, just how petty people are, and like the fact that this is front page news on like real newspapers all over the place, and it's just people are up in arms and making like making shit up about it. That's not even true. Like, I just think that it really says a lot about America. That's all. And I it think does. it's funny. Like, I like this shit. Like, this makes me laugh. Like, I could read about Haircut Gate all night. I could fall into a huge rabbit hole about it. And it's a much nicer rabbit hole to fall into than the one you're about to uh, introduce. <coughs> it's true. Um, I want to get to the... I want to say the date of all of this correctly so that we're there. I'm really surprised. So you are saying that you have never heard of this before. No, I've heard of it. I just don't know all the details. Okay. That's a very different thing. So, on May 5th, 1993. Cinco de Mayo. Three eight-year-old boys, Stephen Branch, Michael Moore, and Christopher Byers, were brutally murdered in West Memphis, Arkansas. Yes. Okay. Brutally murdered, found by a creek. They're reported missing at like 7 p.m. by this by the stepfather, who is because I want to get all the names right. John Mark Byers around seven o'clock. Who's one of the, maybe the last people to have seen him alive as well. 
they get all the parents together from everybody. The whole town goes. They start searching for these kids. They don't find these kids. Eventually, they find these kids, and they're dead. One of them, um, Christopher Byers, genitals are mutilated. Mm. They're, like, naked and hogtied and, like, down by the river, and, like, they're all dead, drowned. Terrible. Terrible. Uh, I'll tell you, I didn't realize that they were so young. Eight Not that it matters if they're eight, eight or four. That's horrible. So you can imagine what the town and the townspeople and how wild babies. everybody is. Well, so they start to look for suspects and they end up getting what is, they are, they were dubbed the West Memphis Three, I believe, is the suspects who then were picked up. So the suspects that they picked up were um, Jason Baldwin, Damian Eccles, and Jesse Miss Kelly Jr., who basically like miscreants, just young, 17, 16, and 18. None of them really like, you know, wouldn't, I would say, necessarily fit a profile that we would know now of maybe who the first people are they should have looked for or things of that nature. I have a question. Yeah. Because I, I know where you're going with this. I know that they were falsely accused and locked up. And didn't they just get out like within the last few years of jail? Sort of, yeah. Um, Do they know who killed the boys? So, again. Okay. Is that where you go? Okay, sorry. I'm gonna... Again. So that's what I'm saying. I don't know all the. I, I know obviously. I've heard of the West Memphis Three. I mean, I I know. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So basically, long story short, they say it's going to be these murders might be related to cults, might be related to this, might be related to that. Like satanic panic type yep. stuff. Mm-hmm. We keep doing all that. They um. They. One of the boys, Jesse Miss Kelly Jr., the cops talked him alone. He has reported IQ of 72. Oh. And he was also a minor. And of course, you know, you know what happened. From there, right, a confession comes out, which then implicates everybody in the confession. Then the police use that to arrest and convict them. Well... Throughout the 90s, people start to look at this case. HBO specifically starts to look at this case. And there's multiple different documentaries. First one being called Paradise Lost. And it is about these murders. And as time goes by, it becomes abundantly clear. These guys probably didn't do it. Right. They spent over 18 years in jail. Before eventually being able to make Alfred pleas. So what you're talking about is what happened later on in the 2000s, mm-hmm. which is the stuff that we saw, you know, all of the, all of this kind of transpire from there. So you know what an Alfred plea is? Isn't that when you basically, like, admit to doing it somehow? Like, so say I'm guilty, but, like, not really that guilty or something. It doesn't really make sense. I know, I remember when we watched The um, Staircase. Uh-huh. That's what happened to... Well, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. You, okay. Yeah. So an Alfred plea is a very specific legal type term. So these boys were, these men, they were in jail for 18 years. And it came to a level that they were like, okay, we know that there's so many issues with the state's case. But an Alfred plea is when they agree to plead guilty for the crime, but also get to state their innocence. And what they're pleading guilty to is the evidence that the prosecution has could 
show that they were guilty. So it's basically like, we're all going to walk away from here and they're going to get to leave. And they leave. So they get to legally say like, we are innocent. The prosecutors get to charge them with first degree murder. The judge says, you got 18 years, your time served. And if you get in trouble again, then you go to jail for 21 years. It kind of doesn't. It kind of doesn't make sense because it's clear that they didn't have enough evidence to. But actually, they did. They did because they had a they had a con, a false confession. Like I don't. They understand. had a confession, and you know, I mean, we're not going to get into the whole case now because it's really not something that. No, we're and there, do. I mean, there's a trillion podcasts that do, but 100%. like, and I don't know much about it, but like, I'm hitting the highlights it, in five it, minutes because this right. is something you could really deep dive into because. You know, one of the main things that happened with the Paradise Lost documentary is that the Paradise Lost documentary by HBO, which is, like, probably one of the most famous, you know, like, literally one of the most famous, like, doc, like true crime documentaries back when it came out. They went and they interviewed um, the stepfather, who was the guy that, like, initially reported them and then potentially um, was the last person to have seen them alive. And they, like, got his knife which he said was like a hunting knife that they, like he gave it to the, to the, to them. And then they had like, they discovered like the, this, the, the documentary crew found blood on it. So they like sent it back and then like they, and then he's like, Oh yeah, I never used that. He's like, Oh no, yeah, yeah, no. I, I did use it like once on, on a deer, like on deer meat. They're like, well, the blood type matches the blood type of you and your stepson. So, and then also like, do, the, do animals have blood types like people? Like, so it's definitely human blood is what, yeah. okay. And, and, and so then they also like the stepson, his stepson was the one that was specifically like mutilated and stuff. Uh, and also like, so, that. so like the defense team goes, okay, well, so he was muted, like he was mutilated by animals after he died, which is something that happens. Cause a lot of times, you know, you hear about like, you hear about like disfigurements or something of like you know uh, like a like a cow uh, right gets like abducted like it's abducted by aliens in a crop circle or something right you're like oh there's a dead cow you're like okay well the reality is like scavenging predators will go for those certain organs and eyes and ears and things because it's like easier it. to get like it's easier to do than like you know your shoulder okay right immediately yeah so they I, that was like kind of what the defense team was trying to say but the prosecutors were like no this was like a cult killing so like each side had different points of view for, like, what it was. It's just the idea. So it's really, like, tough. Like, but it was just, like, his, right? So it was just, like, the, the one, the like, the steps on. So it's just, like, very, you know, there, there was always, like, a one thing here and then another thing there. So, like, there was a way, it, if they had gotten, like, a fair trial, if they weren't relying on this, like, person, this minor with, you know, met, uh, potentially, like like, lower IQ being kind of manipulated by the police, sort of, during that, you know, interrogation. Like, all those different things. And so all these things are brought up. But again, that knife was a big thing. Another thing was, like, conveniently, like, towards... Like, when they really started to dial in more in the case. Because, again, I think what this ended up being was one of those, like, police found something that they liked and then ran with it type cases versus, like, maybe they went with the evidence. But, again, I'm not... I don't know. I don't have all the evidence. I Because I hate to do that, and I'll only say that here, um, because sometimes you hear these podcasts and you're like, okay, or you see these true crime stories, especially now, and 
they come out and it's like, well, the cops like keyed in on this person and maybe they didn't explore all the other evidence. So we think that it's somebody else. And sometimes they're right, but other times they're not. Like the cops were just right, right? A lot of times it's like all that first info and the stuff that they do, you know? So it's like, I'm not, it's not I don't want to be like pro police and I don't want to say they did a bad job. I'm just saying like, hey, some, what we do know is that confessions are not always the greatest thing, right? Because people can be under a lot of emotional stress when they are giving a confession, right? And and, and that's a interrogation techniques can be used that can make you say different things. Right, because you think you're going to get out of the scenario. And I mean, people mm-hmm. with high IQs do it 100%. after eight hours of sitting in 100%. a room and not eating and yep. starting to be like, well, maybe... Maybe I was sleepwalking and I accidentally... I don't even know. Like, sure. Um, I need to get out of here. I need to eat a sandwich. Like, I... It's funny that you say that because I was just about to be like... I was just about to do what you said you hate that other podcasts do and say I I hate when you hear about these cases where it does seem like instead of trying to actually find the killer, the people just want to put someone in jail whether it's to be right whether it's or if it's to fit whatever story they're they're telling or to make the community feel safe or if it's Mm -hmm. all of it i mean and of course police are human beings and we we all are flawed and we all want to be right and you can make yourself believe something if you keep finding evidence that point to it even you know subconsciously like i'm not being judgmental but in a situation like this it is like you need to not fall into those patterns if your job is literally to keep communities safe and to lock people up well i'll just say this i'll I'll say this before i get back to the other thing because it's it's a good little point again it's the potpourri podcast so we kind of talk about whatever but it's a good little point because when you think about and again we're not a true crime podcast obviously (laughs) What kind are we in any kind of podcast? No, we're our own, we're creating our own thing, just kind of shooting the shit. But you know, like I think right now, where they're doing like that Idaho murder trial. Oh. But yeah. no, but I say that because like in the very beginning of it, they're like, we think everybody's everybody's okay. They're like everybody's safe, everything's fine. Like we know it's probably like one person. Like they the way they said it for at first, the the police, and then the way that the police like kind of acted. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, well, we need some more information. We need some more, like, give us some tips. Give us some whatever. But meanwhile, like, after the fact, when all of a sudden they, like, arrest the guy, it comes out that basically, like, they fucking knew it was that guy, like, from the jump. They had one of the girls was in there was, like, a witness or a witness enough that they can then connect all this other evidence. Now, again, this trial's still going on. So I'm not saying anything one way or the other, right? But it just seems like they were doing the work. And so they were kind of doing, like, because the public was getting all, like, fucking jammed out, too. And, like, people were going back to school. And people were like, why why won't you arrest anybody? Why? And they were like, bring in the state police, do this, that, and whatever. And they just kind of, like, kept quiet and did the work. And then the work was right. like, look, here's the work. Like, this guy was fucking asking people behind bars, like, how did they get caught, right? He's yeah. doing all these things. And that's really so uncomfortable like, for the people that live there. I probably wouldn't go back immediately. Yeah. I mean, yeah. honestly, that's, it, that's terrifying. It's tragedy. It's a real life but, thing happening now. But because they did the work and found the person who was allegedly... Mm-hmm. Alleged. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, like, if that always happened, 
that way, people wouldn't, maybe people would respond with like, oh, this is really scary and we need to keep our guard up, but at least they're doing their job instead of being like, why aren't the cops arresting people right away? Well, that, but that's you know what, what I mean? people were doing. Right, because they're, cause we're conditioned to having, to thinking the cops can solve everything immediately mm-hmm. because half the time they're locking up, not half the time, no. You know what I mean? Because some of the time in these big profile cases, especially back in the 80s, in the 90s, and in, in the past, like... They were locking up people well, that you wanted to be scared of instead of actually finding the person. Well, then let's circle back to you. Because then the father, I guess there was like teeth bites or teeth marks on one of the kids. I hate this story. That came out, like, I guess this comes out in like maybe Paradise Lost <clears throat> or Paradise Lost. Like, then they they went back. They did like a second documentary and I think a third documentary. And so in that documentary, like, they go to the stepfather and like he got all of his teeth removed. So they couldn't like see what it was and he was like ah oh, well it's because like you know i had like uh bad seizures or whatever and had like bad periodontal disease or whatever so i was getting my teeth removed anyway before they were coming to get me for a teeth fucking thing like they're gonna do like a teeth mold uh-huh that sounds reasonable right allegedly and i mean so there's just a lot of evidence <laughs> there that alleged there's just a lot of evidence there where you're like well wait why aren't we looking and these boys were like the outcast boys and they were you know didn't Fit in the ones who got arrested so they were kind of like from the beginning it would appear and then that's why they you know they started doing documentaries looking into it but eventually it ended up being an alfred plea because there was this mountain of evidence that they did have but like like but the family that pointed two to the a, boys yes but there was the families of two out of <laughs> two out of three of the families of the boys that were killed were supporting getting them out of jail were like they the two that families level. that that weren't the yeah. the stepdad? Because it was at that level where it was just like, oh. yeah, we just know like this isn't, you know, just isn't. This it's just it's we add just up. have this need as human beings, right? When like something absolutely horrible happens, to be like, someone's got to pay. Someone's got to pay because it's so much easier than dealing with like the fear and the grief of mm-hmm. of the horrible thing that happened and the possibility that anything can happen to anyone at any time and that none of us are you know what i mean so rather than dealing with that it's like we got to find we got to find the we got to find the guilty people because mm-hmm. then we can put this somewhere and turn it into anger and turn it into justice rather than dealing with like how scary the world is right and i feel like that's just unfortunately so, a thing that happens and it is and it's what we do and again you know to circle back it's like that's what makes this so strange because, you know, you with the with the passage of time and with hindsight, you could see how potentially wrong all of this was. But at the time, when the community is is grieving and looking for an answer, people maybe weren't thinking. And it goes back to the Salem Witch Trials. It goes back to, you know, any of these things where there's this mass hysteria and people want blood and people are fomenting for blood. And you find a victim. And a lot of times you might look at some of the marginalized people. And again, if you're going to get this confession, you're going to do these things and then follow this evidence. Sure, you create this mountain of your case, right? Of what you believe happened. And, you know, when you're, whenever you're telling the story, you get to control the narrative. You know, that's just what happens. You know, you get to kind of set, set the tone. I mean, I think... Um, you know, for me, I mean, I think it's, it's, you know, it even goes to like when we we're watching like Making a Murder on Netflix. And I remember watching that and everybody getting hooked into that where it's like, man, did the cops plant the car? Did they do this? Did they do that? I mean. Right. And, and even really... that was filmed 
from it, a certain viewpoint right. of of them being, you know, of him being innocent. I mean, but it doesn't matter whether or not um I don't even remember his name. He was guilty. The 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 confession that you watch. It, yeah, it just doesn't. What was look his name? Was it Brendan or something? Dassey, I think. Brendan, or something. Yeah. But just the, the nephew. Yeah, but the confession you watch just is not make okay. You feel like it's it not okay that yeah. that kid was treated that way. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's not a confession that makes me be like, oh yeah, no, that really happened. I'm like, oh my god, this is not. This kid has no idea what he's talking about. He's talking in circles. He's just giving them what they want because. He's not very, you know, he does have a lower IQ and he doesn't understand and he just wants to get out and he just wants to go back to school, right? Like, I just, I mean, that's, I don't know. <laughs> it's a lot. I mean, the, the whole thing, no, it's a lot. It's a lot. And, uh. I liked Hairgate better. Yeah. Well, we're, <laughs> we're, what we're going to do is we're going to put a pin in this one because this is going to be a story that we're going to track. Yeah. Like, so this we'll, is when we'll the murder happened. The trial. This not, is when the murder happened. Right. And then you should stop with, I mean, the trial will be in 94. We'll get the Paradise Lost documentary. We'll pick that up and watch that because that's a really, uh, even now when you watch it, you're like, this was filmed so well. I want to say it's maybe like 97. They're interviewing them. They're interviewing the people. Like, it's just a really good, like, documentary. Um, that's why I'm surprised that, like. Yeah. I've heard of it. I mean, I, I've heard of it. I've seen clips 96. of. 96. <clears throat> I've seen clips of. Um, I don't know if I saw, I don't know if I saw that documentary. I might have a long time ago, but I have seen the boys being interviewed. So uh, and not, I'm pretty sure they were in jail or something. Yep, you know, so ninety six, then two thousand, then two thousand and eleven. That's how long, and they were in jail the whole time. It's just like I, really I sad to think that people lose that much of their life, and they're they are probably innocent. You know, I'll leave you here. It is so sad, and when you hear those things, it's so sad. But at the same time, it does make you feel like. There's any hope one day for humanity. It's that there are people that are fighting to get the truth out there about those people. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately too many people, you know, and that's, that's the thing about our justice system. It's supposed to be blind for everybody. And you know, that's the main issue people have with capital punishment, which I, that's my issue with, with it. Like, Cause you can't undo that. <laughs> that's my issue with it. I mean, because you if know? they, so. listen, if they put to death 99 guilty people who are murderers, rapists, and one innocent person. Mm-hmm. I'd rather those ninety nine people not be put to death. Like, and that innocent person gets to live. Like, that's to me. I can't even. Can't I can't fathom, fathom that. Huh? Like, it is unfathomable. But let's play some trivia. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's just dive right in after a, a hot some you know hot conversation. Let's get a little trivia. What's the score? Okay. Well, the score is. Four to three, you. And what are we doing? We're playing... What are we doing, you should ask out there? We're playing Trivial Pursuit. That is a little card pack of 90s Trivial Pursuit questions. Um, We're taking a tally every week of who wins. We're four to three right now. When we tie, we don't add anything. The first person to ten is the winner, and the loser has to purchase the 1990s Trivial Pursuit board game, and then we're just going to have a big ol' running game of Trivial Pursuit instead of cards at the end. That's wonderful. Let's get into it. Jen. Pat. Who played the one million dollar, one million dollars seeking Dr. Evil in the groovy hit comedy Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery? Michael Myers. Well, his name is Mike, but I'll give it to you. Correct. I mean, I think his, like, God-given name is Michael Myers. 
<laughs> no, it's Mike Myers. Um, what Broadway musical revival about a 1920s Berlin nightclub with Alan Cumming as the MC were audiences Wickoman to in droves in 1998? Will Coleman. Chicago? I have no idea. Cabaret. Cabaret. I'm like, it's not Chicago, but like, I don't... I wouldn't... It won four Tonys, including Best Actor for Coming and Best Revival of a Musical. What oil giant merged with Exxon in 1998, with the new company becoming the world's largest petroleum provider? Is it BP? No, it is mobile. Exxon Mobile. Oh, duh. What 1994 award-winning film depicts its main character anxiously telling President Kennedy, I gotta pee? Forrest Gump. Yeah. Listen, Forrest also <coughs> met Elvis, LBJ, and John Lennon. Um, okay. So here's the deal. This is a real question I have to ask you. What is the more well-known name of Carol Joseph Wajtilla, who wrote the non-fiction bestseller, Crossing the Threshold of Hope? You want to ask me mine? Because if I don't get it right, you win anyway. I was going to be like, this is a real question, but it's also fair. Because it's fair. When you hear the answer, you're going to be like, "That, that is fair. I don't win. We'd be tied. True, true. Right, but if I get it wrong, you just win. You get two. Because I missed the first one. This question's more important for me than this for you, Gail. What nation's monarch voluntarily began paying income taxes in 1993 in response to public resentment over royal wealth and lifestyle? Queen Elizabeth Nation England. <laughs> the Queen Elizabeth Nation England. Yeah, the answer is Britain. The royal family paid income tax for the first time ever Jen, since the 1930s. I will give you a shot at this. So you're actually going to win. All right. No, I got two and you got two so far. <laughs> I didn't get mobile. I said BP. Oh, shit. You're right. I, I am right. Damn. What's the question again? Jen. Yeah. Name a pope from the 90s. What? Name a pope from the 90s. Name three popes. Pope Benedict is one. Not from the 90s, but okay. Oh, Fair. Pope John II. Third? Pope John. The fourth. The Pope second. John. The fifth. Pope John. The sixth. Eighth. Ninth. Pope John Paul. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, I can't. Like, how much more can I try? I'm not a good Catholic, name? okay? I didn't know his real name. So that's uh, why I'm like, ah. Oh, no, I mean. Fucking Pope. Pope but, John Paul II. Okay. I honestly, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for me. Wow. But you know what? It's not embarrassing for you. Because the score is now five <sighs> to three. Well, listen, everybody. We appreciate you coming along for this uh, potpourri discussion. I'm going to take this potpourri, slide it back into its fucking plastic bag. I can't believe Should she, we bring it she back brought again? the same one out every 100%, single time. 100%. My hand verified. 
Every no, only only special it. only special occasions. Oh, I thought it was every Sunday. I we, thought Sundays were a special occasion. No, we you would all get together and... on Sunday. We wouldn't have like like it would have to be like when there would be more than just her children. You know, like my grandmother's children there. Like it would be like one of her sisters was coming, brother, like fam, like like extended family. Like we didn't just get all that. Well, because we, you, I think Jen said that, that she, she ate, ate it. it. Yeah. We <laughs> Sorry, are. Jen. The 90s mixtapes. This was our potpourri episode, the third one of the month, where we just kind of shoot the shit about different things that happened that we want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Coming out a little late this month, we're, we're, we're working on it. You can follow us at BLC, at BLC underscore pod on Twitter. You can follow us where on Instagram, Jen? Instagram, we are BLC mixtapes. BLC mixtapes. And hit us up at BeckyLeftTheChat at gmail.com. And until next time, we are... Out. Bye. <laughs> Bye.